This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Jolly. Thank you for all of your messages about the focus group yesterday. Uh, if you haven't listened back to it yet, it's well worth a listen. We've got our regular monthly Times Radio focus group, uh, a panel in Manchester, Derby and Plymouth, uh, talking about uh, Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer and the budget COP26. So that's well worth uh, listening back to. Uh, coming up today, we've got PMQs unpacked. We pause the action from the House of Commons and explain what's going on between Boris Johnson and Angela Rayner this week because uh, Keir Starmer is still self-isolated. Tim Shipman is back too, uh, and he'll be... Uh, trying to explain what is going on. In a moment, uh, we'll have the columnist panel. But first, if you want to come on the radio and do my hugely popular quiz, can you get to number 10? Uh, it's very straightforward. 10 general knowledge questions. The more questions you get right, the better the job you get in our cabinet. If you want to get in touch, email me matt.chorley at times.radio with your name and, crucially, your phone number. And you can be on the radio very soon, uh, which will be exciting. Uh, right, up next, it's our columnist panel. It's Wednesday, so it must be cramp on. It's Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson. Let's uh, do what we're actually here for. <laughs> Uh, let's talk uh, COP and climate change and all that, but uh, particularly meat. You've written about meat in your column today, Alice. I have, because everyone is obsessed by farting and cows and ruminating um, animals and what they do. And actually, they do add to the climate uh, problem. And they, in a way, they are the problem, but they are also the solution. So, you know, you have cows and they belch and they fart and a lot of methane came, comes out of them. But methane does actually dissipate after 10 years. So it's not Ooh. the worst sort of air. It's just that we look at them and think we should be eating less meat. What I'm saying is that the farmers are really part of the solution here because they could help with the methane. They could help trap it in the soil. And that if we look after our animals in a better way, they could be part of the mm-hmm. climate change solution. Yeah, explain how this works in practice. How do you trap a cow's fart? So they've done all sorts of weird things. You can actually give them garlic pellets, which they do quite a lot now, and they give them lemongrass pellets, and that oh, stops so them farting. Oh, so you it, stop it before it starts. Yeah. yeah, and they've given them face masks if they really want them. So that that's COVID too. I mean, it's great. great. Face masks? Yeah, so some farms now do face masks because it's the belching's worse. Because the worth. belching. Oh, belching's is as bad as the farting, yeah. apparently, yeah. I didn't know that. It's quite a science now. And actually, the thing is, what I feel is I'm totally happy. Half my family are vegans, you know, the other half never stop eating meat. (laughs) But I think that the point is that you should have the choice. You shouldn't feel really guilty if you're eating meat, but you should if it's not grass-fed. And actually, something like poultry is much worse. It's better to have a steak, usually, than it is to have a chicken breast. Is it? Yeah, because the chickens are fed on two billion, you know, 
corn. I think it's, it is something soya. extraordinary, like two billion tons of corn have to come over for them yeah. and soya. And so that really so adds. And also, there, you know, most of them, 95% of what we eat has been in these huge factory mm. sheds rather than free range. Whereas most of our beef is actually free range. And a lot of, you know, if you think about it, you never see sheep cooped up, do you? They are in the fields. And I suppose that's the thing, isn't it, is, Robert? Is if you're buying British beef from a farm, you know, they've wandered the fields of yeah. whatever. That's better than if you buy something that's been imported, you know, where the Amazon rainforest has been cleared to make space for them. Yeah, it's much better. And, uh, I mean, yeah, we should all eat less meat. We should, it should be like it used to be, which is a, a kind of treat. High days and holidays. And, uh, the, and I think Alice is right. We have a real blind spot about chickens. We kind of we, we worry about animal welfare uh, in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. But we, the, the real one staring us in the face is the, is, the, is the way that chickens are reared and treated. And we just... We just want cheap chicken, so we happily we don't mm. seem to mind too much about that. I was struck by the avocado thing, and uh, and your 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 uh, Alice Thompson's recipe for the new the new hipster breakfast. <laughs> good, isn't it? Well, it's good, but broad bean pate, <laughs> fermented gooseberries, and mashed avocado artichokes. I think you might be Air causing problem. you might yeah. be causing a human flatulence <laughs> problem there. So seriously, I that's wasn't it. so keen on broad beans for breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't have avocados anymore, though. Can't you? No, because they take up too much water. Three hundred and twenty. Well, I never wanted them anyway. I never no. understood. They don't taste of anything. You have you to put a load of other stuff on it to make it taste. Well, mushy peas no, may be the answer. They taste of soap. Yeah, right. mushy peas for breakfast. Yeah, I could get, probably get on board yeah, with that. You are going to replace the cow problem with a human <laughs> problem. Aren't you, mushy know? peas on toast. They're quite good. <laughs> get the hipsters eating that. I'm not yeah. sure about that. How um, uh, do you think that actually the the sort of nudging people towards eating a bit less meat is more realistic? Yes, I think that is the answer in the end, is that you want them to eat it. As Robert says, you know, having a roast chicken is occasionally you know, a good thing to have, but it really you don't want it very often. And people do just mm. get chicken breasts because they're like, you know, a quid, two quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. extraordinary. And a bit less of the it. sort of ground up uh, minced beef that mm-hmm. you don't know yeah. where it's come from. And you don't actually need that. That's when you can add other stuff. Yeah. And, and actually, I, th- I think if we go to that, it would be much better because we do, mm-hmm. you know, actually, it's quite good for iron, it's quite good healthily. Um, my daughter will totally disagree with this because she's vegan, but, you know, occasionally... I think that's where the nudge is coming from. I mean, I bet the vegans in your family are the younger ones rather than... Yeah, yeah exactly. So I they're too that, young. I think the nudge is already happening from the younger generation. My, yeah, my, yeah. My, my kids are kind of... They're actually eating meat at the moment, but they've been several years they've been pescatarians or vegetarians or they go kind of in and out of it. And that generation... I mean, I think it's something like a third of teenage girls mm. now are vegetarian. But uh, you need to so, eat local, so they do so, eat yeah. a lot of avocados, don't yeah. they? Um, you need to save them. You've <laughs> got do, to eat something. They do but... round our way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? We've had so many messages about this. How does a face mask stop belching? It just leaks around the mask. Woke at his best, apparently. Uh, somebody else says, you do realise that people also belt and farch the main... Yeah. Fart and belch. Belch and fart. <laughs> God. That's disgusting. Uh, the main cause is vegetables, not meat. The meat that could cause gas build up is pork. And then Phil says, I've almost mistakenly tuned into GB News. I've never heard so much balls and farting. <laughs> <laughs> so let's... So let's move on then. Let's move on for a moment. Let's talk about Owen Patterson. <clears throat> but I basically made my views quite clear at the beginning of the show. I think it's completely ridiculous that he gets a punishment he doesn't like and because everybody because he likes him they think they can yeah. vote it down but do either of you want to try and convince me otherwise no i don't I'm, I'm just slightly i'm a bit baffled by this story he's getting a hundred thousand pounds a year from this company and 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 one like it he then lobbies for them i mean uh breaks the breaks the rules uh, he says it was a matter of public interest if it was a matter of public interest why don't you just tell the bbc tell the times you know if there was some Antibiotic or don't take product. money from them. Or don't take money from them. Uh, 
So, and then he gets punished at six weeks suspension. I can't really quite see the, the problem. Uh, so, no, I'm not, I can't convince you otherwise. Uh, I could convince you to maybe make it a longer suspension. <laughs> What do you think, Alice? And the, the way that this sort of all plays into... We've already had situations where cabinet ministers have been found to have broken the ministerial code, but for whatever reason, Boris Johnson decides to keep them. Um, it, 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 you know, and I, I made the point at the beginning of the show that if you... A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about David Amos and how we all need to be nicer and to politicians and respect for politicians. Starting with respect for politicians has, surely has to be them abiding by their own rules. Yeah, so I think that's the biggest problem is that you know, after the expenses scandal, there was a period when MPs did behave better and they have a very, very difficult life. We know we've had you know, tragedies, they have appalling times on Twitter, but that doesn't prevent them from them behaving well. And Owen Paston is an extremely nice man. He, uh, I remember interviewing him when he was brought up with these badgers that he kept as you know, tame pets. You feel incredibly sorry for him, for his wife, Rose, um, having died. And I think that you know, there's so much about that, but that's really nothing to do with whether or not he's broken the rules. And I think if he'd had the 30-day suspension, everyone would have felt incredibly sorry for him. And I think his constituency would have backed him to the hilt. And then I think he would have come back. And I think it would have been much easier. There wouldn't have been a fuss. We wouldn't have had to hear about it so much. Now it's become a major issue. And they just do look sleazy again. And it's one of those things... We've talked about this loads of times on the show before, where all these things don't matter until they... Until they right. suddenly all do. It's also confusing because it, 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 why would obviously he's taking the money in order to confer a benefit on the then they, they on on that company, and then he tries to confer a benefit on them and he gets penalised for it. I'm not sure what you can do that. What would you have to do as a lobbyist that would be okay? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and, and there is you know, it goes back to this whole question of MPs and their second jobs. It is different. Yeah, you know, writing a newspaper article or working as a GP is one thing. But acting as a consultant yeah. for two food companies, having been the Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural yeah. Affairs, £100,000 a year. So yeah. more, than yeah. an, more than his MP salary. And obviously they're going to want to see some return on that. Yeah. And it's what? always about the fact they don't think they're paid enough as MPs. That yeah. is the issue. So because they don't think they're paid enough, they took too much in expenses. Because they don't think they're paid enough, they want an extra lobbying job. And in the end, you have to work out how much they should be paid. Yeah, and then I'd are, prefer them yeah. to stick with that. And they actually, are, they're yeah. not paid that badly. Well, no, I mean, it's gone up a lot. Mm. I mean, it, it was like under £60,000 and now it's over mm. eighty, going on for £90,000 a year. But just the fact, I mean, um, you know, maybe the, this food company was wondering why he was spending so much time as an MP when he should have been concentrating on yeah. his job as a... <laughs> well, yeah. His main job of consulting for them. I was amazed by that figure. I thought these lobbying... I thought they were much smaller amounts than that. I mean, that's like a proper salary. Serious, serious money salary. Uh, yeah. And what do you think it means for the... Because oh, I suspected PMQ's Angela Rayner might bring it up because it's sort of right in her, um, uh, you know, exactly where she likes to be attacking the Tories for. Will it make any difference? Because we, we'll hear all this stuff about how it's all priced in and it doesn't matter and... I think you're right. There's a tipping point. So it never made a difference at the beginning with mm. expenses. So we did know, and I can remember, we knew that MPs were putting things on expenses. And we knew that they realised that, that it was slightly dodgy. But it, you need a tipping point. There'll come a time when, you know, they don't care, the voters, for a long time. And then suddenly they do care. And this will all come back mm. to haunt them, like with, you know, the manure stories, the duck house stories. You need the duck house. Mm. You need the duck house. It'll yeah. just be one story yeah. and then we'll go back through all the rest of them. Yeah, and then it'll all it all sort of uh, becomes yeah. You'll you'll get that tipping point. You'll get that tipping point. Um, uh, let's talk about but on the subject of money. But this is money going in the right direction. It's a great story. This Diana Rigg, who died last year, left most of her three uh, just over three million pound estate to her daughter, but uh, she also left five thousand pounds to a beautician, 
the twenty, and you've written about it today. Or yeah, today, yesterday, yes, no, yesterday, today, yesterday. Today. yesterday. Well, I wrote about it yesterday, and but it's published today. It's published today because <laughs> that's how that's how time it works. works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would you leave your? Uh, if you've got, I nominated. I, I, I nominated Mustafa, my, who runs my uh, local corner shop uh, and has done for twenty odd years. And uh, I didn't again. I wouldn't say he was a friend, but he's been kind of more than an acquaintance. And He's, we've had some great chats. He I just works incredibly hard. He's got that immigrant work ethic. Uh, works seven till seven in the morning. Well, he's open seven in the morning till 11 at night. So I guess he's, he's up a lot earlier than that. Uh, and I don't think he makes a great deal of money and he could do with a windfall. And unlike the beautician uh, in, in the Diana Rigg story, Mustafa would keep it. <laughs> <laughs> she made a very nice gesture and gave it to the grandson. But uh, I think Mustafa would keep it and he'd be very welcome to it. What about you, Alice? Our farmer on Exmoor, actually, who is amazing and gets us out of ditches, um, or me. <laughs> and, uh, Do you want to explain how you've ended up in the I ditch? don't think I need to know. <laughs> or I can't change a tar, or I mean, he must think I'm the most hopeless person in the world, but he's always been amazing, Earl, and he keeps uh, our children were. You know, looked after their ponies when they wanted them and showed me what to do with chickens and he's just amazing um, he's not actually he's one of those people that doesn't really obsess about money so I'm not sure what he'd do it would probably be a uh, prize bull maybe or maybe he'd go and get face marks I was going to say face marks for his yeah. cows do you eat your chickens or just uh, the eggs? No, we eat the eggs. I can't eat the chickens. I'd eat the cockerel because it makes so much noise. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed because the children are obsessed by it. Is cockerel a bit stringy? Yeah, I think they all are probably after a bit. Probably a bit tough. And they've all got names. Yeah. It's a bit cruel. It's a little bit. Yeah, my, my uh, farming families, uh, they, don't, they tend not to eat their own. <laughs> yeah, but then it's probably worse. <laughs> <laughs> They do a sort of swap, you know, they, they, they swap with another farmer who won't do the same thing so that you can, you know, you know that it's been properly reared or whatever, so you yeah. have my pig and you're going to tell yeah. their kids that he's gone on a little holiday or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These sausages are delicious, aren't they, children? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson there, and of course you can read them both in The Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. Yes, it's that time of the week where we pause the action live from the House of Commons to explain what is going on. Tim Shipman from the Sunday Times joins me. How are you, Tim? I'm very well indeed, Matt. Are you excited by the prospect of Angela Rayner versus Boris Johnson? It would be wrong at the top of a programme like this to say no to that <laughs> question. It's it, potentially thrilling, isn't it? The uh, interesting thing about the sort of the Keir, Star- Keir Starmer being f- testing positive w- Wednesday morning last week is we had the spectacle of Ed Miliband actually doing a pretty good job at PMQs, then Rachel Weaves. He's got a bit of form, hasn't he? She had a chance that Rachel Weisz doing a pretty good job responding to the budget. Were Angela Rayner to do a pretty good job today? Was that, was that tongues make, might wag? Tongues might wag. Would that make Keir Starmer squirm a, a little bit? Yeah, yeah, or maybe think uh, it, what a great thing it is that Labour have such a good and efficient top team. You know, uh, any efficient uh, Labour spin doctor will be able to spin this into a you know a, a shadow cabinet of giants um, ready to. <laughs> to step in and take over the governance of the nation. At least that's what they should say. It's lovely that you've been drinking so early in the day to, to, to come up with that sort of analysis. What do we expect Angela Rayner to go on? Because the Owen Patterson thing is extraordinary, but it's a bit complicated in quite Westminster Village. It's a bit village, isn't it? Um, I mean, you, well, you could go on the, the, the cop catastrophe um, uh, and what's going on at the summit. Um, it's probably not as bad as all that. Um, I mean... You could go on COVID, which is beginning to be a problem again. People resigning from SAGE and saying, you know, the government's not taking it seriously. If she wanted to be left field and show her sort of um, uh, working class credentials, she might start to talk about immigration in a way that um, uh, Keir Starmer is reluctant to do. Um, I doubt she'll do that, but um, that would be an interesting turn of events. But, you know, uh, Patterson and the... Legitimate uh, change to uh, complicated and inefficient rules slash massive sinister power grab uh, (laughs) would seem to be the obvious uh, thing to do if you can, um, uh, to use an old phrase, sex it up a bit and uh, make it about wicked Tories and um, uh, MPs judging their own homework. And and it's sort of of her wheelhouse, isn't it? You know, the sort of... Tory sleaze, crony corruption. It feels like natural terrain for Ange um, to swing her handbag. Yeah, and uh, and possibly make Boris Johnson squirm a bit. Well, we're just keeping an eye on the House of Commons. Uh, A couple of backbench questions before uh, 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 Angela Rayner appears at the um, uh, dispatch box. Uh, Lots of MPs have been told to wear masks after a bit of um, reluctance in previous weeks. Uh, there's some new rules being put in place. They're now cancelling all meetings and all uh, um, banquets have been cancelled. Uh, new rules. Lord, the I end know, of days. The end of days. No banquets in the House of Commons. Uh, so, yeah, new rules. They've got to be wearing masks. Um, and it looks as if they are wearing them on both uh, the Labour and the Conservative side. Um, uh, so I think we can now go live to the House of Commons. This is uh, Labour's deputy leader, Angela Rayner. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And can I share the opening words from the Prime Minister regarding our armed forces and the tremendous work they do, and also send my best wishes to all those recovering in Salisbury, and give our sincere thanks to the emergency services that responded on that day. And I'd also like to wish all those celebrating tomorrow a happy and peaceful Diwali. Yeah. Now, let me start with something on which there should be agreement across all sides of the House. The independent standards process found that a member broke the rules on paid lobbying. Surely the Prime Minister accepts that this is and should be a serious offence. Yet we have seen reports that he will respond by scrapping the independent process and overturning its verdict. In no other profession in our country could someone be found guilty by an independent process and just have their mates vote them back into the job? Surely, surely the Prime Minister and his government are not going to do that today. No, Mr Speaker, of course we're not going to do that because a paid lobbying, Mr Speaker, paid advocacy in this House is wrong. And let me make absolutely no bones about that. And members, members who are found guilty of that should apologise and uh, pay the necessary penalties, uh, Mr Speaker. But that is not the issue in this, in this case or this vote that is before us today. It is not. The issue in this case, which involved, with the issues in this case, which involved a serious family tragedy, Mr. Speaker, is whether a member of this House had a fair opportunity to make representations in this case, or whether, as a ma- and whether, as a matter of nat- natural justice, our procedures in this House allow for proper appeal, Mr. Speaker, and that I thought that I think is something that should be of interest to members across this House, Mr Speaker, and should be approached properly in a spirit of moderation and compassion, Mr Speaker. OK, well, let's pause it there. Um, she has decided to go on the Owen Patterson case. Uh, we should point out, which we didn't discuss before, Owen Patterson's uh, wife took her own life last year. Uh, all of the lobbying actually applies to 2018, 2017, 2016, so there's a, there's a sizable gap in between. Um, but like you were saying, one person's uh, careful adjustment of the rules to ensure fair justice is someone else's uh, dreadful marking of your own homework. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where a lot of people around the House understand that this system is far from perfect, um, that um, the the rulings of the Commissioner uh, are somewhat inconsistent. Um, She seems to take uh, umbrage against certain things and and, uh, while nodding through others. Um, There is clearly a... um, uh, a personal element here which gives this extra um, sort of oomph from the Tory side. Um, Marin Patterson's uh, claim is that uh, the investigation is what uh, partly prompted his wife to take her own life. Um, So it's quite heavily charged. But it's quite hard to escape the conclusion that um, giving... Uh, rigging a committee so that uh, the Conservatives can um, uh, set the rules as they wish um, and then potentially giving MPs more say over um, the outcome of these cases, um, that's pretty politically bad. Um, and Boris Johnson would not be attempting it unless he had a majority of 80. And I suppose the, the point is that um, uh, the, the, the the crime, if you like, isn't carrying out an investigation following his wife's sad death. It was lobbying on behalf of uh, two companies who were paying him a lot of money. That's the that's you know it's not the 
it's conflating the two things is slightly missing the point. Yeah, I think the Tory argument is that the investigation could have been conducted better. Patterson could have had more opportunity to make his case. There were some witnesses that were not uh, interviewed, and there have been examples of this in the past. Uh, if you go back to some of the situation um, uh, around some of those vote leave cases before, there were claims that uh, witnesses were not uh, asked to give evidence who should have been. So it's it's a funny old situation, this. Um, it obviously something the Tories feel um, strongly about, which is why they're prepared to put some political capital yeah, at risk yeah. to change it. But um, I think uh, your average punter in the street is going to wonder what they're up to, really. Well, well let's go back and uh, have uh, question number two from Angela Wainer. <coughs> Mr Speaker. No, Mr Speaker, of course we're not going to do that because... Uh, oh, look, on that day, oh, hang on, let's, let's rewind the machine. Speaker, here we go, here we go, here we go, Angela Wainer. Let me put this to him simply. If it was a police officer, a teacher, a doctor, we would expect... We would expect the independent protest to be followed and not changed after the verdict. Yeah. It's one rule for them and one rule for the rest yeah. of us. Yeah. Mr Speaker, when a Conservative member was found guilty of sexual harassment but let off on a loophole, they said the rules couldn't be changed after the event. So they can't change the rules to stop sexual harassment, but they can change the rules to allow cash for access. So why is the Prime Minister making it up as he goes along? Just to jump in there, um, the other case that she's talking about there is Robert Roberts, uh, who was uh, an MP, uh, who was a Conservative MP, readmitted to the Conservative Party, despite having been found to have uh, sexually harassed a, a member of staff. And at that point, there was a row, wasn't there? And um, they said, well, we can't change the rules now because this is done and dusted. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, I think he has not been readmitted to the Tory whip, um, but has been readmitted to the membership of the party. Um, so, but again, there's a lot of Tory MPs who look at that and think, why couldn't we just kick this bloke out? It would have been a lot... Uh, cleaner and simpler. But also, uh, he's a relatively new MP, whereas Owen Patterson's been around for a long time. He's got lots of friends in the House of Commons who that's right. are p- perhaps, therefore, not the most impartial of uh, of judges on this. Uh, let's see uh, Boris Johnson's reply. Uh, Mr Speaker, all the professions that she mentions have a right of appeal, uh, Mr Speaker. And I... And that is what the, that is what the House needs to needs to consider. And may I respectfully say to her that I, I believe that she needs to focus instead of playing politics on on this issue, which is what the, which is what they which is what they are doing. I think that she needs to consider the procedures of this House in a spirit of fairness, Mr. Speaker. And it, and we on this side of the House, instead of playing politics, we are getting on with delivering on the people's priorities, Mr. Speaker. Forty more hospitals, twenty thousand more police officers, and wages up, growth up and jobs up across this country. Those are our priorities. Order. Order. Mr Perkins, I don't want to say any more about either. Right. Right. (laughs) Lindsay Hoyle slightly losing. I love the idea of, can we stop playing politics? Wages are up, growth's up. Yes, uh, here's some election. Let's slogans. not play politics, but here politicians play politics. What you'll be reading on, the on the side of, of of a bus near you at the next general election. Um, I, I thought that would be both the question and the answer were pretty good. You know, sort of rollout of uh, what both parties think are their biggest selling points. Rayner hit quite effectively that you know one rule for them and one rule for the rest of us, which is a common theme now uh, when Labour are effectively attacking this government um, and accusing the Prime Minister himself as making it making it up as he goes along, which. Um, 
uh, is uh, something I think that uh, does cut through as well. Um, and then Boris Johnson replied, well, what really matters here? You know, it's your schools, your hospitals, your job. Um, and we're doing all right on that front. Thank you very much. Um, and that's... That's the next general election in a nutshell, isn't it? I suppose the thing that, that part of the reason why the Labour Party keep niggling away at this one wolf and one wolf or the other is that the Dominic Cummings affair was probably the the worst point for the government in terms of their sort of political um, uh, view, you know, the view that voters have of them. So constantly trying to reignite that, you know, get that old old bandwagon running is a, is a problem. I think that's right. But I think conversely, a lot of Tory MPs think, well, yes, what Boris Johnson said is right. The big things that matter are your job and the economy and the health service. Why are we wasting political capital um, trying to redo the sleaze rules? Just say, terribly sorry, Owen, but you've got to suck it up. Yeah. Um, you know, I've spoken to people this morning who say... Um, you know, their whips have been calling them, telling them they've got to vote the way... And and those MPs pointing out that this is a matter for the House of Commons um, and people saying they're going to abstain and ignore what the whips are telling them um, because they don't want to get involved in all this. All right, let's go back. Uh, question number three is Angela Rayner stands here for Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, this isn't about pe- playing politics in this place. This is about playing by the rules. Yeah! And as we can see, it's one rule for everybody else and one rule for the Conservatives. When they break the rules, Mr Speaker, they just remake the rules. And I know that Donald Trump is the Prime Minister's hero, but I say to the Prime Minister, I say to the Prime Minister, in all seriousness, he should learn the lesson that if he keeps cheating the public, it catches up with you in the end. Because while they're wallowing in sleaze, the rest of the country faces higher bills, rising costs and damaging tax rises. So I ask the Prime Minister, can you tell us what is the projected tax increase per household over the next five years? Mr Speaker, what I can tell her is that the recent budget, what the recent budget did was take cash from those who can afford uh, to pay the most and it had huge and had very substantial tax cuts for the hardest working and poorest families in this country. We cut £1,000, Mr Speaker, with the universal credit taper relief cut for the for hard-working families in this country. Two million families had a £1,000 tax cut and we're lifting the living wage across the whole country, Mr Speaker. And what we are also doing, Mr Speaker, is ensuring that this country gets on with a high wage, high skill, jobs-led recovery. And never let it be forgotten that if we listened to them, we would have none of those things, Mr Speaker, because we'd still be in lockdown. Right, uh, we've slightly moved on now, on to uh, possibly firmer ground for Boris Johnson. Um, I mean, the the Labour Party think they've got, you know, a good attack line against the the, uh, Conservative because of the economy and tax and so on, but it does give Boris Johnson a chance to just do his greatest hits, Tim Shipman. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Rayner had a good line, you know, uh, you break the rules and you remake the rules. Um, That uh, is perhaps a bit too clever by half to be uh, a hit later. Um, But she's doing all right. As you say, um, Boris Johnson will be sort of relieved that that bit's over and, you know, he can now just hit his election slogans um, all the time for the rest of this uh, this thing, I would have thought. Um, it's interesting, though, he is persisting with this line that um, changing benefits is a tax cut, um, which had uh, Rishi Sunak feeling the heat the other day at the Select Committee where people were claiming this has nothing to do with tax- taxes, it's a, it's a change to benefits. Um 
but the Tories are, you know, rolling out a taper rate on benefits as a tax cut, which, uh, you know... Yeah, in it's, a sense, in a, in a in sense, a sense that you're, you're right, the government is going to take less of your income away. Correct. But it's a bit, it's a bit, it's com- a bit it's of a, a bit reach, more complicated. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Well, let's go back. Uh, question uh, number four. This is I think he missed out the number, so let me help him out. <laughs> the Resolution Foundation found that by 2026, taxes will be three thousand pounds more per household yeah. since he took yeah. office. Yeah. My constituents and his constituents are feeling the pinch. And they're worried about Christmas as well, Mr Speaker. Their bills are going up every week and the budget did nothing to help them. So can the Prime Minister tell them how much was the tax cut that he gave to the banks instead? Mr Speaker, as she knows very well, it it is the banks and the bankers who are paying far more proportionally uh, as a result of our tax measures to cover the cost of the NHS. And and actually, it's a very moot point, because the £36 billion uh, came from... 50% of it comes from the the 14% 14 who are the richest in this country, Mr Speaker, overwhelmingly from the banks and financial services industry who who can pay the most. And the astonishing thing, Mr Speaker, is when 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 it came to voting for that £36 billion increase in 48 new hospitals, hospitals, in 50,000 more nurses, in looking after our public services. They voted against it, Mr Speaker. Angela Rayner. <laughs> oh, it feels a bit like after a good start, we're losing um, feels a like head this of is steam. one of those PMQs again, isn't it, now? Um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's interesting things here. Um, the, the Resolution Foundation that Labour is quoting is run, of course, by Torsten Bell, who used to be a Treasury advisor to the Labour Party, so there's a nice bit of linkage there. Boris Johnson, continuing what he does, uh, did as London Mayor, defending banks and bankers in a way that no other Tory politician yeah. ever has, um, which I always find interesting. Um uh, but, you know, you've then got a philosophical difference. You know, uh, Labour think they throw around banks and bankers and everybody recoils in horror. And Boris Johnson says, well, you know, these people raise lots of money, lots of tax, and it's them who are giving us the money to spend on this stuff. And that's, you know, the essence of Labour versus Tory politics. Uh, There's also a sort of the complete inversion of politics. You've got the Labour Party complaining about taxes going up to fund public services. Yeah. And the Tories attacking Labour for not, supporting increases in public spending. Yeah, and this is what Boris Johnson has managed to do. For right or wrong, whether it will work or not, we, we don't know um, in the long run. But he's changed the dynamic. He's changed the political discourse and he's changed the political map in this country. Um, and Labour need to find um, ways of uh, of having a pop at him that they're not used to. Um, Rainer's making a pretty decent fist of it, I would say. But, um, you know, one feels like uh, the greased pig is beginning to slip loose from the uh, <laughs> from its moorings now and is beginning to run happily around the farmyard. I'm not quite sure, but having had that conversation earlier on about what's happening to pigs, um, maybe we shouldn't get t- uh, too bogged down in that. Right, let's go question number five. This is Angela Rayner. Mr Speaker, according to the Prime Minister's own budget documents, it was four billion pounds in tax cuts to the bankers and three thousand pounds of tax rises per household good news for the donors who gave his party half a million pounds his bank got a bonus of nearly eight million pounds but not so good news for the rest of us mr speaker now mr speaker this month as the prime minister said 
We remember and celebrate all those who serve our great country and all those who have lost their lives, leaving behind loved ones, and those who have sustained life-changing injuries and live every day with the consequences of their sacrifice. Yet hidden in the small print of the budget was a billion pound cut to day-to-day defence spending. So, Mr Speaker, will our servicemen and women face pay cuts or will there be fewer of them with less support? Mr Speaker, I think it's quite incredible that we're now hearing this from the, from the Labour Party uh, when uh, they would have pulled us out of, out of NATO and, and, uh, and actually, and I think the, the, the right honourable lady actually wanted to abolish the army. What you've, what you've got, she wanted to abolish the army, the woman sitting next to her, Mr Speaker. Uh, what, what you've got in this government is a spending on, on defence, uh, which is the highest since the Cold War, the biggest uplift uh, since the Cold War, and uh, an increase that has restored confidence in this country, around the world, in our ability to defend not just our own shores, but to defend our friends and partners as well. And that is what this government is doing. Right, it's interesting. There's more interesting politics going on here. Angela yeah. Rayner now positioning herself and the Labour Party as the friends of the military. Yeah, no, I, went, I, I got it wrong at the top when I said she might try immigration, but she's gone with defence instead, and this is an interesting similar, moment. Yeah. It all plays Doing something thing. slightly counterintuitive, showing um, the working-class families who've abandoned Labour that they are about, you know, uh, nation and defence as well as about, uh, you know, helping the poor. And um, I think that's, uh, you know, interesting. Boris Johnson can rightly claim that he's chucked loads of money at sort of headline um, schemes for the MOD, but their day-to-day budget is a shambles, um, and there's a lot of money needs being clawed back there. There's been a huge amount of waste um, and overspending, and um, uh, not surprised that the Treasury is uh, grabbing a little bit of that back um, under the the table. So, uh, you know, a good bit of research from uh, uh, Labour there, and interesting that Rayner has um, mixed things up. You know, this is a third different theme um, in her six questions and she's keeping him on his toes. And we should point out the, uh, the, the allegation of wanting to scrap the army uh, and the woman sitting next to you. That was Lisa Nandy, the Shadow Foreign Secretary, sitting next to Angela Wayne on the, on the Labour's front bench. I think she spoke at the launch of a pamphlet uh, which uh, talked about possibly uh, scrapping the army, replacing it with something else. Uh, but she insisted that she didn't applaud the report and it's complete and utter rubbish, she said. She's always stood well, up it was Jeremy Corbyn who famously mused that couldn't we do away with uh, all this in the same way that some of these peace-loving uh, South American nations don't bother with armed forces. Um, but yes. But it's um, interesting, you know, and Angela Rayner, one of the great survivors of the front bench under Jeremy Corbyn, uh, now, now putting a... Flag flag in the ground, flag in the ground, if you will, to uh, to extend your your military uh, metaphors. Right, I think we've reached uh, question number six now. Let's see if uh, Angela. She's covered a lot of ground. Owen Patterson, tax and spending, benefits, and now the defence budget. Where will she go with question number six? Mr. Speaker, he knows that I asked him about the annual defence budget, which his own budget documents show will drop by £1.3 billion. And I hear the Prime Minister's fine words, I'm from a military family myself, but I won't take party political lectures from him because too often the government's actions don't match their words. Speaker, I think of my constituent who fought in Afghanistan and yet was threatened with sanctions because he was unable to physically travel miles to the nearest DWP office. The Prime Minister's tax cut 
for short-haul flights last week cost £30 million. Yeah. That is 50% more than the government spends on supporting veterans' mental health each year. The charity Combat Stress has lost £6 million in funding this year, even as their calls to their helpline have doubled. So will the Prime Minister match our proposal to reinvest the £35 million saved from cancelled MOD contracts to support our veterans that surely deserve it? Uh, Mr Speaker, it's because we've been able to run a strong economy and take our economy out of lockdown that we've been able to invest massively in the NHS. We've been able to lift spending on defence to, to record levels and to keep supporting our fantastic public services. That is what this government is able to do, Mr Speaker. And I, I must say I enjoy my conversations with her in spite of the insults that she, uh, the party political points that she, uh, she uh, directs it uh, towards us, Mr Speaker. And I may say, without, I don't want to cause any further dissent, in the, in, the benches, in the benches opposite. But I think you all agree she has about a, a gigawatt more energy, Mr Speaker, than the right honourable gentleman, her friend, from Hope and, 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 and some back. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. But it's, a, but, I, but it's the same, it's the same old Labour. No plan, no ideas. We're getting on, Mr Speaker, with delivering on the people's priorities. We're taking this country forward. Growth up, jobs up, wages up, productivity up. All they do, Mr Speaker, is play politics while we deliver. You got the slight sense there, Boris. I wasn't quite sure how to finish. Well, I mean, he finished question six, as I think he finished question, was it two or two three? Two and possibly three. Yes. You know, well, when you've got your lines, you should probably stick to them. Um, and he, but a little jibe there, a wasn't little, it? A tiny a, little jibe there. Yes, saying that, a um, gigawatt and, more energy. Angela has got a gigawatt more energy than Kiss on. Which is true. I yes. mean, let's not overblow it that PMQs isn't the be-all and end-all and all of that. However, I mean, he, you know, William Hague was the only thing that he was particularly successful at as Tory leader. But, you know, he says that were, had he been less successful than that, it would have, would have been even worse. And keeping the troops buoyed up and, yes. uh, and showing a bit of muscle... Uh, and a bit of, you know, having something about you is what you, you need. And actually, we've seen in the last week, Angela Rayner, Ed Miliband, Rachel Reeves, socking it to the government a bit more than Keir Starmer normally manages. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Um, uh, I was quite impressed, actually. I thought she was... Um, she kept him... You know, he wasn't able to get into his... He, you, you thought halfway through he was about to get into his comfort zone. Um, and the fact that he deployed the same uh, answer twice sort of uh, makes you think that you know, he, he might well have had to deploy it five times if uh, if it had been a more pedestrian one. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, interesting. And, you know, I'm from a military family myself, says Angela Rayner. For those of you that didn't know, you know, my everyone knows she was a granny at 31 or whatever it was. Yeah. But, but you know, that's that gives a little bit more to the Rayner biography too. And in terms of the things that uh, land, we were talking yesterday on the, we were doing the focus group and Boris Johnson's sort of colourful turns of phrase do land. People, you know, they get reflected back all the time. We were struggling to think of anything that Keir Starmer made. You know, and actually, you know, it would take a while, but some of that sort of, what was it, wallowing, uh, wallowing in sleaze, too often the government, uh, the government's actions don't... Uh, match their words it's one rule for one one for all of that is just trying to get to a thing that that are the sort of messages that come up in focus groups and that sort of stuff exactly i mean you know we've been hearing the sort of one rule as you say since the cummings affair you know one rule for them uh, one rule for the rest of us and that is a bruise they need to keep punching um and um thus far the government is giving them fresh opportunities 
That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.